Okay. You got me now? I know that you guys are cold. Uh, thanks for bearing with us. Uh, we're a, a church that believes in renting space. And uh, the space that we're in, the heater broke last weekend. And we faithfully had some folks, uh, especially Ben Everett, really want to thank Ben for showing up at 5 this morning to sit here with heater, turn on some big propane heaters. This is warmer than it was this morning. Um, this, the heater's going to be fixed this week and um, should be fine for the Christmas Eve service this Friday. But it sort of reminds me of why we're here. You know, we're in a place where we're sort of at the mercy of, or at, you know, of a, a building that's not our own. And we as a church have said over and over, it's worth it for us not to spend our money on buying a building, but on renting space. And so some of your like endurance this morning of being able to kind of hang with this um, is, is saying, you know, I'm gonna, we're, we're trying to live out these values together. And I know this is cold. It won't be like this again. But I'm going to give you an opportunity to stand up and hug somebody next to you and share some body warmth for just one second. One minute. Go. Yeah, that's good. It's really good. You know, um, one of the commands in the Bible is um, that's repeated throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, is to greet each other with a holy kiss. Maybe we'll try that next week. Okay, well, hugs this week. Um, let's jump in. So, so for the past few summers, we have been sending our oldest sons to this camp in the upper Adirondacks called Deerfoot. And it is boy paradise. It is, there's no electricity. There's no running water. They're there for two weeks. You bathe in the lake. It's all like canoeing and backpacking and crafts and riflery and archery. And I have been living vicariously through my sons. Okay? I, I will admit this. That I really wish I could go to this camp and that they could stay home. Um, so this past year I got to go, this past summer I got to go to Father-Son Weekend, which is the end of camp. And I got to experience... Two days of camp life, which was, it was one of the best moments of my year. I mean, it was awesome. And um, so part of that, we go to, we went to chapel. It's a Christian camp, so they had chapel on Sunday morning. And the camp director asks the kids, he says, you know, okay, go out into the camp and bring back something or tell us about something in nature that reminds you of God. And this was classic, okay? So we, we're in the chapel, and little kids are getting up, and some of them have, like, pine cones. And they're like, this is, reminds me of God because, and I can't remember why. You know, and, or like, you know, I, look at the little acorn, you know, like, like our parable today. Look, it falls from the, the tree, and it grows, and God grows in, uh, faith in our lives. Or look at the peacefulness of the lake. I saw the lake, and it was really peaceful this morning. It reminds me of God's peace. Well, it was the best was this kid who stands up, and he's got his hoodie on, right? And he's got his hands in his pockets. And he pulls out of one, he pulls out a lizard. <laughs> and I can't even remember what he said. It was just like, this kid is awesome. He brought a lizard in, into church. And then he pulls out his other hand, and it's a frog. <laughs> so... You get a picture of what's going on here. Well, I, I uh, was talking to a guy who's like an alumni of the camp and had been to these many, many times before. He's like, the best one, best one he's ever seen is this kid comes in with a mushroom, right? And the camp director says, now, how does the mushroom remind you of camp, uh, of, of God? How does this mushroom remind you of what God is like? And he says, God is a fun guy. <laughs> fun guy. I'm not making this up. I know that is terrible, okay? So just like, you know, the chapel at Deerfoot, 
This morning, Jesus tells us two stories about natural things and how they're supposed to remind us of God, right? And in these, in these uh, parables, two of these really, I mean, they're almost analogies. They're so short. And Jesus tells these little stories, one about a mustard seed, one about some yeast. But he doesn't explain what he's, he means by it. He just tells the story. And, and, you know, some people are frustrated by this by Jesus. They're like, why does Jesus seem to be so obscure? Why is he hard to understand? Why couldn't he have, like, boiled this one down to a soundbite? Or, you know, could he have, you know, given us the nutshell version of this? You know, God's going to grow in your, something in your life. You know, somebody asked the short story writer Flannery O'Connor the same question. They said to her, you know, look, can you explain what this story means? I mean, she was famous for writing these, these short, kind of um, grotesque, difficult to understand many times, amazing short stories. And somebody asked her, like, you know, can you just boil this one down to a nutshell for us? And she said this. She said, what? She said, no, a story is a way to say something that can't be said any other way. And it takes every word in the story to say what the meaning is. And so Jesus tells us two stories. We're going to look at these two short stories this morning. The parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the leaven, the yeast. Because both of them have something to say to us that can't be just boiled down. There's something about both these stories that actually calls us to enter in. And I'm, for one, I'm grateful to be preaching on these at Christmas time. These are great Christmas parables. The problem with Christmas is that all of you know the story. I mean, even if you've, this is your first time ever walking into a church, you've seen Merry Christmas Charlie Brown, and you've heard Linus do the, ver- you know, the passage we read from Luke 2. You've heard this before. And so it's kind of hard for us to move past it. It's hard for us to enter in. And so I'm going to use these two parables. And I want to look at first how these parables, the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the yeast, show us the advent of Jesus in the world. And then I want to look at how these two parables, the mustard seed and the yeast, show the advent of Jesus in your life. Let's look at these together. The advent of Jesus in the world. This is the Christmas story, isn't it? The mustard seed. You know, something indescribably small is planted in this world. Something much smaller than a mustard seed is planted in the womb of a young woman in a remote village in a nowhere town in the great Roman Empire. And it grows. This is the story of Christmas. Obscurity. I mean, what is more weak and vulnerable and dependent than a baby growing in its mother's womb? The parable of the mustard seed is a perfect picture for us of how Jesus came into this world. You know, and, it, and for us, this is kind of ho-hum. This is like Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown. You know, Linus telling the story. But this was anything but that for the first four centuries of the church. The, this idea of Jesus come, God, the God of the universe, come as a baby is called by theologians the incarnation. Many of you know that word. It means born out of the flesh. You know, and here's Jesus, the baby, planted in this woman. And this was the subject of great strife and debate and 
questioning in the first four centuries of the church. The first four centuries of the church were all kinds of people saying, how can this be? Well, if this is true, how much human is Jesus? How much God is Jesus? And there are a lot of internal debates and questions and struggles for people to understand this. This was anything but ho-hum to the first four centuries of the church. They really struggled. You know, and see, for us, what may seem like ancient debates about things that don't really matter, kind of like, you know, are the Cubs going to ever win the pennant? What's Ross Perot doing today? You know, but these are things of great consequence. You know, the incarnation, the coming of Jesus in the flesh, is not something that's just cute. It's not just, oh, everybody loves a baby. Right? The incarnation tells us very clearly. It tells us this. Jesus, being human, is able to be the perfect substitute for a human. Jesus, being God, is 100% sinless and therefore able to be the righteous substitute for a human. Jesus, being human, is able to suffer and die a sinner's death, the judgment of God upon sin. And Jesus, being God, is able to do that for every sinner who calls on his name. You know, this, this is a picture. The seed becomes a tree. What is planted in, in this ancient story, Jesus, being planted in this world, becomes a tree. And, and the picture of the tree there is really significant. What does it say about the tree? This becomes a tree where birds can come and make their nests. Jesus, insignificant, small. You know, this, this little insignificant story. Yet Jesus becomes a home. A place of refuge, a place of rest for anyone who calls upon his name. This is a picture of the tree. Advent. The parable of the mustard seed. But it's more than that. Jesus' parable uh, pairs this parable, the parable of the mustard seed, always with this one about the yeast, the leaven. You know, and in this, this story appears, this parable appears in three of the Gospels, and they're always together. These two parables are always together. And, you know, um, leaven or yeast was used and is continued to be used. It's added to flour and water, right? And there's a chemical reaction that makes dough begin to rise. It makes, and so, you know, yeast is, as the woman here does in the, in the story, she, she folds the yeast, she kneads it into the dough, and as she does so, she sets it aside, and it's going to be cooked. This parable is interesting because it's the only place in scripture where yeast is used, where leavening is used, fermentation is used in a good light. Most of the time, fermentation, yeast, leavening is talking about corruption. Things that corrupt us. But in this case, Jesus tells a story. He says, no, look, this is what my coming is like. My advent is like. Something needs to be worked in and it causes something to rise and to feed other people. See, in this passage, you you may not get this from just the, the casual reading, but when Jesus says this woman makes three measures of flour... Three measures of flour plus yeast cooked together, this is enough to feed a hundred people bread. This is an incredible amount of bread that he's describing here. And he's saying, look, this is, this is what my kingdom's like. This is what God is about in the world. It's an increase of exponential amounts. It's an increase of exponential amounts. Look, 
we were talking about the parable of the mustard seed. The parable of the mustard seed talks about how Jesus comes into the world, how he comes in in insignificance and smallness. But the yeast tells us how Jesus gets out. The message of Jesus has to get out. It can't be contained. It's meant to, to rise. And it's meant to feed lots of people. Now, there are numerous pictures of this throughout history. I want to use an ancient example, a modern example, and a current day example. You know, an ancient example of this is the early church. You look, you read the passages from scripture about the, the crucifixion of Jesus, and where are his friends? They've all abandoned him. In fact, it shows, in the book of Acts, it shows Jesus' friends sitting around huddled and awaiting in an upper room and fearful for their lives. And yet Jesus is raised from the dead and suddenly these men, these same men who were fearing for their lives, who had abandoned him, who would run away from him, are talking about Jesus openly in the streets. And what goes from being just a few people within one day goes to 3,000 people are added to the church. It's the yeast phenomenon. And sociologists have studied over the years, you know, it's been puzzling to them. They're like, how did this little thing called Christianity, this little seed, this little yeast, how did it grow into from being like a sect within Judaism in a remote corner of the, of the, the Roman Empire with a people who weren't very educated, who didn't speak very eloquently, to being in four centuries the official religion of the Roman Empire? And the Roman emperor saying, I follow Jesus. You know, sociologists scratch their heads. And Jesus says, parable of the yeast. This is how this happened. This has happened over and over in human history. In 1900, in Korea, you know how many Christians there were of the total population? 0.04%. That's four one-hundredths of one percent, right? And... This is what happened in, in Korea. So missionaries started coming. In 1900, this is a tiny little group of people. In 1903, there's a missionary. And his name was R.A. Hardy. And he was doing some biblical research. He was wrestling with, you know, how to pray. And he began, he came across this passage where in Luke 11, it says, If you then, you're, you're fathers, you know how to good gifts, good give, give good gifts to your children. How much more your heavenly father, if he will give to those who ask him. And he was wrestling with this passage. And he realized, I have been working all this time as a missionary and worried about how my performance. I've been so caught up in me. And so he goes to his little congregation on a Sunday morning and he publicly stands up and says, I am so guilty of pride. And these people are scandalized by this. They're scandalized by this. Nobody does this. And people started weeping. And people started confessing their sins. Four years later, that was in the town of Wonsan, in Pyongyang, 1,500 Christians come together for a prayer meeting and some worship. And as they start praying, they begin to start, men and women begin to stand up and confess their sins. And people begin to pray out loud all at the same time. And it's this chaotic, beautiful Holy Spirit gathering that's explosive. It's explosive. Here's one of the um, one of the writers, William Blair, who was a Presbyterian missionary. He described the scene. He said the whole the whole audience began to break out into audible prayer, and the effect that the, uh, that the audience of hundreds of men praying together was something indescribable. 
Again, after another confession, they would break out in uncontrolled weeping, and we would all weep together. We couldn't help it. The meeting went on till two in the morning. People praying, people confessing, overflow of this like thing that God is doing in this country. And for the rest of the week, they had to cancel school. This thing spread like a fire throughout the country, and within within fifty years, you know, fifty percent of the Korean population said, we own Jesus. In fact, the largest, today, the largest um, church in the world is in, is in Seoul, Korea, and it has 830,000 members. Yeast. See, some of you, this is true for you. you many, many of you were here last week, and you saw 25 people stand up in front of this room, and what did they say? They said, we own Jesus. And they told their stories. Some of them were stories of like, hey, you know what? I sort of stumbled upon the Bible and opened it up and it made sense. Some people were like, you know what? I grew up in a Christian home. My parents told me about this. And it became mine at a particular age. Some had friends who were the yeast in their lives. Who told them about Jesus and invited them to come to church. See, this is the way... This parable of the yeast is not something that Jesus is describing that happened back then. This is the way Jesus' message is going out into the world even today. The advent of Christ, the seed planted, obscure. You know, that's how Jesus comes into the world. But it's also the the, the yeast, how Jesus is getting out. Now, why do I tell you these two stories? Why are we focusing on this in Christmas? Because these are not just stories of how Jesus came in his advent, but it's also a story of how Jesus is continuing to move into your life and my life. And I I want us to walk into these stories and say, what are you doing? What are you doing in my life today? You know, look again with me. The advent of Jesus in your life, the seed. The parable of mustard seed shows us not just what's happened in the past, 2,000 years ago. But what's happening? So in Peter, uh, one, of the, one of the disciples of Jesus writes this in his letter. He says, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. This is how Jesus enters our lives as well. Jesus comes in, he's planted. You know, the message of Jesus, this God-man, it looks... It looks paltry. It looks insignificant. You know, Paul would write about this. He's like, this is the wisdom of God. It looks like foolishness to people. It looks like nothing. It looks like something to be mocked. It's so insignificant. Worthless. But look, you Philadelphians, we know this. What's the power of the seed? Right? It all depends on where the seed is. Think about... Think about the sidewalks of Philly. The seed on top of the sidewalk, it's not going to do anything. But the seed under the sidewalk, you've walked around. You know, at first, nothing, right? Nothing happens. Indescribably small, nothing going on. But give it time. And what happens? That sidewalk, though it's 1,000 times heavier, though it's 1,000 times harder than the seed, it has to give way. The seed buckles, it breaks. You've you've tripped over these sidewalks. The power of the seed. The power of the seed. And look, this little parable has three words to say. Something to say to each of you this morning. 
It has a word of encouragement, a word of warning, and a word of hope. And I want you to hear these. A word of encouragement, a word of patience. Here's the question of the seed. Are you growing? Is anything discernibly happening in your life, spiritually right now? Is there anything, you know, it's, it's a hard question for us. It's a hard question because we're Americans. And we, we want chia pet growth. We're not, real, we're not really comfortable with slow growth over time. But, you know, you know if you talk to other people in, in outside of our country and you say, what one word describes Americans? Do you know what they'll say? Impatient. Right? We want things to happen overnight. And, and you know, we don't want trees. We want chia pets. But we want Christianity to work for us now. We want our lives to change now. And one of the things you may need to hear this morning is patience. You know, don't be discouraged. Some of you look at your lives and you're like, you know, I thought Jesus was going to come in and fix all my problems and I was going to be a different person. And what I want you to hear from this parable this morning is patience. Be encouraged. Jesus isn't into like coming in and tearing down everything all at once and rebuilding. But it's like the seed under the sidewalk. Something's happening. Something's growing. Something's changing. Your God hasn't abandoned you. I want to encourage you, if you're discouraged this morning, if you come into this place and you're like, you know, I've I've given the six weeks. Jesus is at work. Don't, Don't lose patience. But there's also a word of warning. There's also a word of warning. If there's no growth in your life over time, you have to ask this question. Is it in you? Is it really in you? You know, is is there something that you have done in your life to stunt the growth of the seed? Is there something that you're doing in your life to stunt the growth of the seed? Is there something under the soil, something hidden, something secret? And, you know, it's kind of blocking the growth of the roots, really getting down in there. Is there something that's holding that growth back? Is there something in your life where you're like, you know, I I don't want to be one of those kind of fanatical Christians. I want to kind of put a lid on this. You're putting a sidewalk down on top of the seat. You're like, yes, I'm glad it's under there. I'm glad it's down there somewhere. But, you know, I've got to contain it. You know, is there something that's choking up the seat? You know, is there like a bunch of junk just growing up in your life because you're so distracted? You have so much going on. Listen to the warning of the seed. Listen to the warning of the seed. He will get through. Right? Like the seed under the, under the sidewalk, you can say, you know what? I don't want to be too fanatical about this. Or, you know, I've got other things I'm concerned about. But I will tell you this. Jesus will get through. And it may require some cracking and some breaking in your life. I, I want to warn you. Like, this seed, if Jesus is planted in your life, he is committed to growing this up in you. He loves you too much to allow the sidewalk to stay in the way, to allow whatever it is you have buried in the soil to stay in the way, to allow whatever it is that you're growing up around it to be in the way. This seed will get through. And the warning is, will you repent and move other stuff out of the way and say, this is what I'm allowing to grow. This is what I'm nurturing in my life. This is what I'm... I want to see this really tended in my life. Because he will either way. It just may be painful. 
But there's also a word of hope. You know, some of you may be here today and you say, and you're saying to yourself, this is a nice message. This is a nice word of encouragement. But you don't know me, bald guy. I'm too messed up for this. My life is too broken. And, and this may be a good thing for like other, the other nice people here. But my life is too far gone. And I would tell you this. I can have great confidence in saying this this morning. That Jesus is more powerful than the broken story that you carry around. He is much more powerful than your history, than your mistakes, than all the things that you think disqualify you. And, you know, I can tell you, you can, you can be in this place this morning and God can plant a seed in your life. And look, it's not Chia Pet. It's not going to grow overnight. But what, something will happen of absolute change in your life today because of something planted. And I want to invite you into hope. I want to invite you, if you've given up, if you're in despair, if you're like, my life is too messed up for this, to believe in the parable of the seed. Jesus is able to plant something that will grow into a tree, that will become a place of shade and rest and a home for others. He can do it. See, this is the parable of the seed. Something planted in your life. But this is only half of the, the, the parable we read, the parables we read this morning. You know, there's the parable of the seed and it's paired with the parable of the yeast. And the, the parable of the seed tells us about how Jesus gets in. But just like the stories I told you about the ancient church, about Korea, and about people in this room, the story of Jesus can't just get in, it's also got to get out. You know, people misunderstand, really misunderstand the Christmas message all the time. I love um, hearing children's misinterpretations of Christmas carols. So we sang, Hark the Herald, Angels Sing. You know, have you heard, Hark, Let Herald, Angels Sing? You know, kid version of this. Or, um, you know, We Three Kings of Orientar. And like, what's Orientar? It's Orientar. You guys know this stuff. But my favorite is my, my nephew who um, used to sing Feliz Navidad. Okay? And this was his version. It's Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad from the bottom of our Lord. You know, see, like kids do with Christmas carols, we mishear, we mishear the Christmas message all the time. We mishear it because we think, this is a nice, personal, hand-delivered, hand-written you know, written message to you, of peace on, you, on earth for you, you know, peace to you, comfort for you, and it's like a Christmas card, and you open it up, and you could put it on your shelf, and it's just for you. And that's anything but the picture of the yeast here. You know, it can't per- be personal. It can't just be kept to yourself. Look, what do we as Christians like to do with yeast? We're all like yeast. We like to like stay in the package together. You know, we all are like huddle in the package at the grocery store. Look at Christians. This is what we do best. We're great at being friends with other Christians. One of the common issues that happens with Christians, you become a Christian, and within a couple of years, you've lost all your friends who aren't Christians. You know, we hang out together in the little yeast package. But yeast is worthless in the package at the grocery store. That's not what it's for. It's not for sitting in a package together. You know, it's, it's meant to be kneaded into dough. It's meant to be put in something and twisted 
and pulled and stretched. You know, this isn't what we want. You know, I don't want God to come and like squeeze me and pull me and push me. I want to be with other people who are just like me. But Jesus is saying, look, you know, I, look at this parable. Look at this parable of the yeast. This is what this is for. This is one of the things that you, in, in my entering, my advent into your life, my being planted in your life, is not just for you. It's meant to get out. It's got to break out. It's got to break out in your life. And it's only when we begin to embrace this picture of the yeast that God really shows up in your world. Some of you are so bored being Christians. I mean, some of you are so blasé about your faith. And it's because it's something that you don't need a whole lot. It's like the stuff in the basement. You know, I am never thrilled about what's in the boxes in my basement. That's boring stuff. That's why it's in the basement. Or the stuff in the back of the drawer. You know, those are the shirts you don't want to wear. Right? It's the stuff that we put way in the back in storage. That we're like, I don't need that very often. I'll pull it out if I need it. I know where it is. And I think one of the reasons that we are bored Christians... One of the reasons we're blasé about the, the Christmas message is because we don't ever use it. It's in the basement. It's in the attic. It's in the back of the drawer. One writer put it this way. You know what a Christian is with the true Christmas spirit? A Christian with the spirit of Christmas is someone who says, the last thing, the very last thing I want is a nice, tidy, comfortable life. Reaching my financial goals and keeping my figure past 50. Having the dream house. See, you can't look at Christmas and possibly want that kind of life anymore. A Christian who is aflame with the spirit of Christmas says, Give me something great to do and I'll go do it. Don't you see? It's the exact opposite of the Christmas cards. A Christian says, Look what Jesus did for me. Look what Jesus did for me. I want my life to count. I want to make a difference in someone's life. I want to change the world. I expect to have to give up things and be uncomfortable. Because I see what my Savior gave for me. What does yeast produce? Produces bread. Bread for the feeding of other people. And it begs the question in us. Who? Who in your world is starving? You know, who in your world needs to be fed out of the overflow of what Jesus has planted in your life? Jesus, and many of you would stand up and say, I love Jesus. I'm about his purposes. But who? Who is being fed off the increase, the rising of Jesus in your life that is producing an aroma like fresh baked bread and tons of it. That can't be for you. See, is this message stale to you? Is this word of hope in Jesus and what he brings us at Christmas, is it like stale bread? Who? Who is he putting across your life? Will you let other people be satisfied on him? My challenge, my encouragement, my call to you today to listen to these parables. Some of you need to hear this parable of the seed. You need to hear the, the encouragement of that. Patience. God's at work. He hasn't given up on you. 
Some of you need to hear the warning of the seed. Look, if you put stuff, you put a sidewalk over that, it's going to break and it's going to be painful. Make room. Tend that seed. Some of you need to hear the word of hope. It's for you too. And then some of you need to hear this parable of the yeast. You need to really wrestle with this. You know, this is a God that can't be kept in, that can't be contained in a life. That calls to be spread, that calls to be kneaded in, and allow other people to feed off of this. You know, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten what Jesus came for? Merry Christmas, Liberty. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.